Please take your, uh, take your Bible and turn to Genesis chapter 8, where Stephen uh, led in our scripture reading. Appreciate that. As we uh, take a glance at, in a little bit of time that remains, the God who remembers. The God who remembers. Even the very title of that is suspect. We'll talk about that here in a moment as to why. I mean, I wonder, have you ever felt like uh, you've been forgotten by God? I mean, haven't, haven't, haven't we all felt that way? Like, Lord, I'm here, you know, like I think you have a lot more important things to do and, uh, you know, running the world and the universe and all that. It's just me and who am I? Not much, you know. And uh, in the mix of all things, we go like, I think you've forgotten me. If you read the Psalms, uh, Psalms are filled with the psalmist, often David, saying, you know, Lord, it seems like how long, how long I feel like I'm abandoned. Lord, have you forgotten me? You know, these kind of things. That is a normal experience uh, for believers. I wonder in second, has it been a long time since you experienced in a very tangible, concrete way God's blessing and felt his closeness? I mean, uh, that's the ebb and flow of life, and I know what that is. There are times when you feel like you're skipping on the mountaintops, spiritually walking with the Lord, and his closeness is like overwhelming. And then, uh, then it seems to abate. It, it's not the, it, 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 thank the Lord it's not the dark valleys, so we do have valley experiences where it does get dark, and we go like, I think it feels like I'm alone, but most of life is lived in between, not on the mountaintops. There are some churches that teach that wrongly, that the, the Christian life is like a skip along the top of the mountain peaks all the way, and everyone's and wondering, like, well, that can't be me because that's not my life. You know, like I live in the real world or I get bloodied and beat up, and some days my heart is really twisted and out of tune. Well, if you're like that, even if you love the Lord and you want to serve Him, that's where we are in this fallen world. It's not the mountain peak. Oh, we yearn for that. We look for that. Oh, Lord, please. Heaven will be like that every day. There's the good news, right? Thankfully, it's not always down in the slough of despond, but most of us in between. Well, uh, that's the experience of every believer. Surely, this must have been Noah's experience uh, there in the ark. This godly man had heard God's voice. 120 years earlier, incidentally, if you're wondering where I stand, those are real numbers. God uh, means what he says, and he always says what he means, unlike us, right? And when he says 120 years, you can take it to the bank. Uh, you don't have to cut that portion out or some sort of mythologize it or something like that. Uh, he had heard God, Noah, as a godly man, had heard God's voice 120 years earlier. He said, I'm going to destroy the world. Here's the plan for the ark. It was just the right size and, uh, and the right timing. Did you notice that? Timing, again, timing is the backbone of the Bible. God creates history. It's his story, and he works within the time frame of his word in time. So much so that at a certain point, Galatians 4.4, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman. Jesus came on the exact day of the plan of the foundation before that, of the very earth and of history, it's his story 
from beginning to end. God is never surprised. He's never forgotten anything. And he's written the greatest narrative of all. It's the redemptive story of the ages that will give great glory to God. He magnifies his holiness, his justice at Calvary, his love. The angels knew he loved, but loved that much in technicolor that he sent his own son right on this right day. I'm telling you, it all is woven together, and it's fantastic. I mean, most of the time, we're not sure what's happening, right? What's happening? I better look at Drudge or the news or CNN. Do you think they know what's happening? God has woven it all together, and he's given it in the only book he's ever given, God's wonderful word, and it's all about Jesus from cover to cover. And so he speaks to Noah at a certain point, build an ark, and now it's a hunt. And so Noah, his name means rest, right, after this. And, and so Noah builds this ark, we have any, no indication in the text that God ever spoke to him for 120 years. Now, that's a long time. 120, there's no indication that, you know, when he finished the frame, God said, hey, nice job. I like what you're doing. Nothing. God said it, and, and he began to carry on faithfully. Isn't that much you like? God speaks in his word, and, and what do God's people do? They faithfully carry on. They carry on. They carry on. God said it. That's enough for me. And it's 120 years, he hadn't heard anything, and he's finished the ark, it's just on time, and then, then God speaks. God speaks. Uh, time to get into the boat. And, and, it, and it comes right through in the narrative, get into the boat, and uh, he goes in the boat. Last time we looked at this, he sat in that boat with the door open for one week. And boy, the neighbors must have went crazy. That guy is absolutely out of his mind. Now, let alone the parade of animals that God brought. He didn't rush. He didn't go around catching them. And, and you're, if you're wondering about the continents today and how that happened, I believe in the pre-flood world, the, the landmass was all one large area surrounded by a beach with water around the hemisphere. And if you look at a map, you can sort of see like, well, South America sort of fits into Africa there and you can kind of, and it's separated after the flood and the, and the separation of the nations and so on in the landmass at that point. So you're wondering, how did the kangaroos jump from Australia to get to the Middle East where probably Noah was? It was one connected mass. And it's, not making ro it's not rocket science. You know, when people befuddle you with thinking about the world. God changed. The, the pre-flood world is entirely different in its uh, design and look and appearance than the world that we now have. We said that last time, really, there, there are five worlds in the Bible. Uh, there's the pre-fallen world of, in the garden. That lasted a short time. How great that must have been. No weeds or anything like that. Fruitful. Be fruitful. Multiply. That lasted a short time, right? Then after 30 days or so, we don't know that, but, but Eve being made from the hand of God from the rib and by God it was extremely fruitful and the normal marital relationship probably would have conceived right away, right? Within the, so we kind of make that assumption. The fall probably happened pretty short and then the world, it's a fallen world now. They're cast out and there's thorns and thistles and death everywhere, right? In the world that once was in paradise, it's paradise lost and so on. That leads up through where God says to Noah that uh, he, I'm going to destroy the world. Perhaps a billion human beings with longevity of life. I happen to believe in a vapor can, uh, barrier uh, of some sort, clear. They can look through, but there's water suspended. 
that would come down in the fountains of the deep and so that the world was forever changed, of the world, of the ancient world, gone forever. But aren't you glad for some of it? You wouldn't be able to get gasoline in your car if some of those great forests that were buried under that universal flood, carbon fuel, natural gas and fracking and all of that came from all the vegetation that once uh, was made on the, on the planet Earth, smashed and buried uh, forever in a worldwide deluge. In fact, if you go to the Grand Canyon, that's the evidence of the water runoff. When the, when the land masses then at the end of the flood were lifted up and uh, the basins of the ocean went down for the runoff, there was rapid runoff and sedimentary rock. You can see it at the Grand Canyon. How many of you have seen the, the, that it's only formed by, by moving water? That's it. And, uh, and, and, and God did that, and it just shouts everywhere of what? There, there is a God, Psalm 29, that reigns, that he's king, and that he's righteous, and aren't you glad God doesn't always judge that way? There comes a point we read Ananias and Sapphira in the early church, and they lied to God and they're giving, and God struck them dead. And we go like, well, they deserve it. But if God did that today, everywhere, we'd all be dead, right? There was a period of time where God said, that's it. Enough is enough. Wipe them out, except for Noah and his family. That's the early chapters. You say, like, well, isn't that, isn't that sort of a story, but not really? Is it really fiction and not? Listen, Jesus had enough. Uh, 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 Jesus uh, believed in Noah. He created Noah. He speaks of Noah. And the days of Noah are the days of the end. Read the Olivet Discourse in Matthew 24 that Jesus and Peter and the sign of the last days and Noah and uh, the historical figure of Noah and the universal deluge that was uh, throughout the whole world really happened right on time. Well, uh, God said, uh, go into the ark. He's in the ark. The flood came, your introduction. God destroyed everything. And, uh, and he continued to float in this enormous uh, uh, craft for over a year while heaven's silent. We have no indication from the text that God ever spoke. In fact, when you come to 8.1 that Stephen read this morning, it's like uh, all of a sudden God breaks forth in verse 1. But God then remembered Noah and all the beasts that were in, and God made a wind to blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. And, and God is going to speak now, we see in this very chapter, after again a period of one year of silence as seeing the uh, destruction of the world that God had wrought. At this low point in the text, the text says, God remembered Noah, and that ought to be an encouragement to us as we sometimes think heaven is silent, God's forgotten me, I've done what the Lord wanted me to do, but I don't, I don't sense his presence, I don't feel his closeness, but he's always there. He is the God who remembers. Three ways, and, and we only have just a short time, a few minutes, three ways that God remembered Noah, and it ought to encourage you. To always put your hope in the Lord. Always, always. The reality is, is that God never forgets anything. Never. Never. You're like, uh, your names are engraven on his palms, the prophet says. Never. But he speaks in, in words and language that we understand. Right? He, uh, the theologians call it op, uh, anthropomorphic words. Uh, he comes down and speaks, as it were, baby talk. 
If you see me with my little granddaughters, the youngest, I talk sort of, you kind of, kind of like, what, Pastor, what are you doing there? You know, I'm talking baby talk. And they, but they understand that. They go, hi, Papa, you know, this guy. And it's sort of, that's not the span. When God goes from his throne and speaks way down here that you and I understand in actual syntax and grammar, and he knows us by name, and he calls us by name. It's, it's a greater span than for me to my two-year-old little granddaughter talking babyish talk to, to her. But God speaks, and he never forgets anything. In fact, the reality is he holds our hand as we walk through the path of life. Faithy's uh, dad and, and mom uh, gave my mother uh, that little uh, poem, Footprints. Do you remember that, Footprints? Some of you have that. And uh, my mother mentioned that the other day after having gone through all that she did with her heart attack and near-death experience. She said that about Faithy's dad. Her mom had given her that poem, and she keeps reading it, and it's in her Bible. You know how at times there are footprints in the sand, and there are two sets along, and then I notice there's only one set. And then I realized at that point it was the Lord carrying me. Lenny, that might have been your experience. And as we prayed you through that tough time, and we, we all have them or will have them till Jesus comes. He carries us. That's the reality of it. Alone, never alone. That's the reality of it. Well, three ways that God remembered. We don't have time to develop it all, but simply God remembered first by his remembrance and all by removing the waters. Verses 1, 3, and 4. One. Now, I, I just have to say, we know the end of the story. But when you're right at the break moment of that time and you're floating around in this ark with these smelly animals, he doesn't know what's coming next. We go like, I read the end of the story. He gets out and everything's great and all that and blah, blah, blah. But and the, isn't that like life? We, we, we're right here at this moment. It's 1128 or whatever, 25. And we don't know what's going to happen in the next moment. Man, my Bible says man knows not his hour. You know, like fish that are caught. We, we don't know what a day will bring forth. I read that in Proverbs 27.1 this morning. We don't know. God, Noah didn't know. He just saw God wipe out cousins and uncles and neighbors and all that. And here he is floating around in this thing. And guess what? He, he's, a, he's a godly man by God's grace. God's grace has saved him and his kids. But he knows he's a sinner. And he's looking out there and they're all wiped out and gone. And he's floating around and he, got, he found grace. But he goes like, Lord, you know, don't you think he didn't think? That should have been me. I, I, I'm, look at God who people right, know that they are wretched sin. The more you grow in grace, the more unholy you're going to know yourself to be. You're not going to say like, oh, I'm growing in grace. I'm doing pretty well. The more I grow in grace, the more disgusting it is when I look inside. And then I see God, I see justice having go like, ah, you know, that should have been me. Oh, it's all of grace. So there he is floating around on this thing for over a year now. Some of you couldn't do a cruise for a week and you got sick, right? He said, that should have been me. What's happening next? I don't know what's happening next. God knows. Wow. He must have felt abandoned maybe. Jim Boyce thinks that in his writing. He must have felt abandoned so far as any direct intervention of God. 
God had not spoken during the year of the flood, at least not recorded in the text, and it doesn't appear to be so. So then after, B, after a long time, that year, God acted in his life, and he causes the flood to subside. Hey, listen, God is not an absentee landlord. He isn't. Some of you are landlords, and some of you rent and have absentee landlords. That the landlord's far away, doesn't really know what's going on, and probably doesn't care. Maybe. That's not God. We live in a world that's in scientism where they think that it's just a closed system. These rules just operate, and that's the way it is, and, and there's nothing ever reaches in and change. That's not true. God is active in his world all the time. He reached down, brought the flood, destroyed. That wasn't natural law or phenomena. It was a judgment of God. Now at a certain point, according to the plan of God, he begins, sends a wind, a ruah, a wind, and begins to dissipate the water. It's the end of the flood. It served its purpose in the plan of God. God actively works in this world. In fact, Colossians 1, Jesus holds it all together. And the idea is moment by moment by moment. And the laws of gravity, electrical, electric ma magnetism, and all of these type of things are the way that God usually runs, but he at any time is free to suspend that, such as walking on the water. And even a disciple, Peter, walking on the water, say, that usually doesn't happen. That's right. Try an experiment in your bathtub. It won't happen, probably. You're going down. But at any moment, God is able to do whatever he wants. He can heal, he can raise, he can raise the dead. I love that in Luke. It's one of my favorite sermons God gave me, the day Jesus stopped the funeral right in its track. I love it. I just, I, I just think about that so much. He's just walking along, he comes across, here comes the funeral parade. He touches the thing, that, and he sits up. And I, in that is the picture of uh, the resurrection of the believer. Jesus interrupts a funeral. At any, say, that doesn't happen. Is that smoke and mirrors? Is that magic? No. He's the author of the life. He's God made flesh. It's all about Jesus. It's wonderful. We have a living Savior. We have a living hope. It's magnificent. We talk about the judgment of the flood, but you know, of a judgment even far greater was the judgment that God poured out on Calvary. That God poured out his judgment. And if you're found in him, then he took it for you. And if not, you'll pay it forever and ever and ever. I was asked that last night on the phone. Is hell really forever? It's forever. It's as long as heaven is. That's the way Jesus puts it. It's forever. There are no second chances. Death seals it. If a man is not saved prior to his death, that's it. Sealed forever. You can pray and pray all you want. No purgatory in the Bible. Death seals it. It's forever. Uh, Jesus poured, Jesus gave his own life at Calvary. The judgment of God, a far greater than a judgment of Noah's day. And all that are found in him are saved, clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Right? That's the way we sing it. In Christ. You know, that's the big question at a funeral. They come to look at you. The question, it doesn't matter. Oh, doesn't he look natural? Oh, doesn't she look beautiful? That's crazy. I've heard people say that. That, that natural, beautiful, crazy, no, look at the smile, all the, no, that is not natural, we are made to live, no, it's not, it's not, but the only question really is, are you in Christ, are you in Christ, have you been saved, he took the judgment, far greater than Noah's judgment, the ark of Christ is greater than the ark that saved Noah, his family, and the animals, wow, God actively works in his world, even when we can't see it, 
I mean, I have that, look at here, I have it here. God may have done wonderful things in earlier days in your life, but maybe not recently. Our hope is knowing that although God, uh, we, we, he always acts in our life, but it's a matter of our sensing his acting in our life. Maybe you sense that for a long time. Uh, our hope is that he will act again and we'll see it. But in the meantime, your job and mine is simply to be faithful. Just be faithful. It's required of a servant to be found faithful, not only when the master is looking at you, but to be faithful, faithful in, in, in obedience, in doing what he's already shown you to do, however long it takes. Now, we do that here at Grace. You know, we've been, we've been a number of years now as a church plant. We go, like, when is the day that God is going to really pay, open the door and allow us to connect into the community, to make a difference, the love of Jesus through us, and to touch our world through missions and evangelism? We're waiting and waiting and waiting. We're waiting for the, the, the plan to develop. We realize God is building people, and, but a facility is a tool for that. We go like, oh, I'm so tired of waiting since May, and why don't the bank and this and that? Well, what do we do? That's not in our hands. It's beyond us. So we do. let's just be faithful this next hour, and then the next hour, and then the next hour, and do what God has already revealed. It's his work anyway. Whatever he wants, it's up to him. It's like Gamaliel. I come to this a lot. They're in early Acts. Remember that? The Sanhedrin met. What are we going to do with these apostles? What are we going to do with these guys? They're preaching the resurrection in Jesus. And Gamaliel says to the Sanhedrin, listen, this is the way it is. If God is in this, you can't stop it. But if he's not in it, ah, it'll come to nothing. I find myself thinking about that a lot. And, Lord, you're in this. And we were so encouraged in recent weeks as God caused us to go over that $37,000 in the building. God has done that. Like some of you are repenting to me like I'm a priest and we're in confession. I never thought it would happen. Forgive me. Like, I, like I, I'm, I'm amazed as well. God did it. He gave the increase. And we go like, wow. He visited us. And it was like, I'm right here. Just keep being faithful with the little things. I'll take care of how I want to use you as a church. Well, and so God sends and see a wind over the earth. The waters recede. And the, and the ark, this big box, this boat rests on Mount Ararat, and God's renewing the entire face of the earth again. Uh, it's, a, it's a small picture, is it not, of, uh, of life after death. And God gives us that all the time. He does here. Total destruction of the earth. And now there's going to be some life. You know, a dove brings a little olive branch. Where'd that come from? It was budding. Life after death. We see that in, in this point of the world with... Uh, and you stand out in your yard in the middle of January, you don't stand there very long. Often you look at how dead everything looks. Look at those beautiful flowers. And Faithy does so well with all her flowers and the flowers. It looks, I don't think we'll ever see life there again. God gives us all these pictures. He weaves us through that he's the author of life and renewal of life. And uh, even after the appearance of deadness, the winter, and then spring. Everybody loves spring. The breaking out. And look at the irises and, and the tulips and then the flowering trees and the, the beauty. And now, oh, it's so... And we see that, right? And here, it's the same thing. It's this theme again. After what appears to be utter death, God brings life and it's a picture of the resurrection of Jesus in our future resurrection. It's glorious. He's renewing the face of the entire earth. Suddenly, there's life again yeah. And so we have to trust God during bad times or the lonely, solitary times. 
and there are plenty of those in life. Habakkuk 3 puts it, though the fig tree does not bud, Habakkuk says, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I mean, when we don't see it, when we don't see the fullness of God, I'm still going to rejoice in the Lord. He's in charge, I'm not, and that's good enough for me. Or Amos 9, it looks forward by faith in verses 13 and 14. The days are coming when the reaper and the sower are going to, I mean, it's going to be such a bountiful, plentiful harvest, they won't be able to take it all in. I mean, it's growing so fast, they're trying to reap it, and it's growing more in, in the abundance and the prosperity in the days to come. Wow. Well, God displayed his remembrance to Noah by removing the water. The second way he did was God dis, uh, displayed his remembrance of Noah by giving him a sign. God did this by sending the dove back to him with the olive branch in its mouth. Noah wanted to find out if the ground had become dry enough to disembark. And so he did an experiment, right? Sent out a raven. Of course, that thing was gone. Three doves. And, uh, and the, the third dove came back with an olive branch in its mouth. And that's been the universal symbol of peace worldwide. You'll see it in, even in pagan lands. They have a dove with an olive branch. And where does that come from? That comes right from the story here. As uh, Noah's experimenting, has, has the judgment passed and has the earth been renewed enough so that we can disembark? And God gave him that sign. didn't have to, but God's in the details. Sends this little olive branch. These signs, I'm reminded that uh, during hard times and difficult times, the feeling of abandonment or loss, I have on your sheet, God's children, sometimes we suffer great loss. We lose a maid, a husband, a wife, a son or daughter, a job or health, or people going through a great, uh, great difficult time, a flood, and uh, it's natural to feel abandoned. Lord, have you forgotten me? to have some small but meaningful thing that God gives them to assure that what they're enduring is not mere chance, but rather part of a wise, loving plan of God. That in such times, God has a purpose. You know, I can't tell you how many times we crave to know that, you know, as, as a person. You know, that God, what's the purpose in this? I mean, it happened even as this past week. We had a great meeting with some new bankers, friends of uh, Mike, and don't know what direction God will have for that, and, and uh, that they were jumping up and down for joy and thought within a week or two they'd have a commitment letter, and we're like, this is crazy. How could, the, you know, they got the, they caught this, the excitement, they looked at the numbers briefly, and they're like, this is, this is great. You know, they were, could, I, I hope I'm not overstating it, Mike, but it was, I was just like ecstatic from there. They go like, how do you, what's the, Lord, what was your, per you know, and then you drop back. Lord, what was your purpose in that? Well, even with this, and I don't know how it's going to play out, but uh, what's the, and when, and, and the other side, when difficulty happens, you know, sickness in your hospital bed, and, and you go like, or an accident, or a sudden loss, or a, you go like, we, we crave for the, the reason for it. What's the reason? Uh, I feel badly for our people that don't know God, don't know His Savior, don't know the Word, I mean, how horrible to have no rhyme or reason. We crave to want to know that. And, and, and it's not enough for us to, it, it is enough for us simply to know God has a reason and a good purpose, whether I know it or not. I can't tell you how many people in, 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 in heartbroken, tearful situations say that to me. The, 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 they don't know why God allowed this to happen. But they know that he is loving and he's good and he has a plan and they just rest kind of right there. 
And if you didn't have that, how horrible, wouldn't it? So horrible. And at those times, a lot, I, I know in my own life and in your life, so sometimes God gives a sign, not like a dove with an olive branch flying, and oh, there it is, and God did that for me. But he gives a personal sign, just a kind of a reminder that I'm there, I know what I'm doing. And, uh, and sometimes you have mentioned it, sometimes they're very personal, we don't say anything about it. But the Spirit of God uses it to, to give us great assurance He's in charge, and we're not, and he has a great purpose, and there's rhyme and reason for whatever happened. Now, the biggest one that came to my mind when I thought about this was in my own life, when, and I've talked about it enough through the years, when my father suddenly died. Here I am, we're pastoring in Indiana, Faithy and I, have little kids, we're far away. It's December 24th, day before Christmas, and it's, we're in a blizzard. And I never saw anything like it, being a Buffalo boy, it was 25 below zero Fahrenheit. The bank thermometers right out my front window, and I go like, I've never seen that, ever, ever. Minus 25 Fahrenheit, snowing. I had a diesel Jetta, the jet, diesel gelled up, couldn't drive your car, had to borrow a car, and I went over to a friend's house that, uh, that uh, I needed to stop by. She had called and asked if we'd stop over. She knew that dad had died suddenly, a massive heart attack at 54 without any warning day before Christmas. And I, we felt so isolated and broken. I cried and wept and, uh, and just gave it to the Lord. I'm driving over. Now it's clear blue sky. And I remember driving over and I looked up. And, and, and that, with those weather conditions, I saw the most beautiful double rainbows I'd ever seen in all my life. And I, I just... In the middle of, of December, in the middle of that weather and 25 below, that's impossible. And I go, I, and instantly I go, Lord, I know what the rainbow means in Scripture. Wow, you did that for me. Now, don't check my theology and go, <laughs> but that spoke to me through the Spirit of God. I'm in charge. Just keep being faithful. I know what I'm doing. And you know what I mean. Maybe it's a phone call, maybe it's something, maybe it's something very little. A little act of kindness, a little something, maybe a natural phenomenon. And God does that in the Spirit bears witness, it's going to be okay. I'm in charge, and he speaks to you. And I, I get that right from here with this dove flying with a, an olive branch, budding. And God, and God gave that, that symbol, that sign to Noah that it's going to be okay. And I'm so grateful for that. Now, if you don't like my theology, I'll talk to you at the door. But uh, it, it did, it to, even to this day, it ministers to me. It does. The last lesson, not only did uh, God uh, show that he remembered Noah by removing the waters, what a great thing that was, but second, gave him a sign, the dove with the, with the olive branch. But third, God displayed his remembrance of Noah by his words. He spoke to him again. After a year floating around, then he says, God, no, it's time to come out. Time to come out. And I'm looking at verse 13 to 22, particularly verse 16 and 17, go out of the ark. It appears that Noah had, God had not spoken to Noah during the whole year of the flood, but now he speaks. And the silence certainly added to his loneliness, but now he knew that God remembered him. God begins to express his covenant with him, be fruitful, in verse 17, and, and, and multiply and fill the earth. He kind of restates the, 
the covenant God made with Adam to, uh, initially. And Noah obeyed and he came out of the ark. You know, that was one of the marks of Noah. Uh, uh, God speaks and Noah obeys. No ands, ifs, or buts. You ever hear that? My mother used to say that. Take the trash out. No ands, ifs, or buts. You know, I'll do it, but I got this to do for... No, 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 no ands, ifs. Noah, what's it? God speaks and he does. I go, Lord, can I be that kind? I want to be. Make me into that. I'm, I, I'm very selfish and... In my schedule, my agenda, and I, it's not into, change me. When God says it, yes, I'll do it. Noah, that's the mark of his life. Now, here it is. Come out of the, I'm glad he was, glad. I bet he's glad to come out at that point, but he says, come on out. So here he comes. He's coming out, and the animals are coming. What a sight that would be. Hollywood would love that for a movie to see that, right? The animal's probably in a sort of semi-catatonic uh, hibernation state during that year. You know that, Right? Well, there had been, what, 10,000 rabbits coming out. <laughs> Some of you know rabbits. <laughs> something went on there where they took a long winter's nap or something, and they all come out of the air. And when you go through, when you and I go through a period in which God seems to be silent, you pray and you wonder if God has heard, what should you do? What should I do? Do what Noah did. He obeyed. He obeyed then because he had been obeying previously. You know, the easiest way to obey uh, a best is when you practice obedience during the dark days. Just, just practice obedience. Obedience is the very best way to show that you believe, trust, and obey. You know all the songs, so do I. It's not that we don't know it, it's that we don't do it, do we? You know, we get conflicted and we make poor choices and sinful choices. Lord, forgive us of that. Well, Noah exits. In verses 20 and 21, 22, he and then he worships the Lord. Now, some, some of the old writers said this is truly the most amazing part of the whole story. The most amazing part is not that God remembered Noah, because God never forgets anything. But the truly great part of the story is, is that Noah remembered God. Because there's something about us, isn't it? We pray and pray and wait and wait, and then God answers, and we go on our way, and we hardly even think to say thank you or to remember it. And remember the ten lepers and one, they're all healed, but only one came back. And the haunting words that, that, that speak to me when Jesus said, were, were, there not, were there not ten? It's not math class either. Were there not, were there not ten? And Jesus where are the other nine? That speaks to me. Because in my heart I can have a very unthankful, ingrate at heart. And don't we hate that in our kids? And don't we... I don't, you know what I mean, we don't beat it out of them, but you tell your sister thanks or you're in deep trouble. You know, like, thank you. You know, like, <laughs> and you know, I, we're looking at a mirror of ourselves, really. God does such great things, and we either are mindless and we forget all the things that God does every day in our life. And here's Noah, God has delivered and wiped out everyone else, and uh, we are his grandchildren, you know. I mean, he's our father. It funnels back through him that knowing to Adam and Eve, you know. And we are, and to, to have God do such great things, and we walk around with the gripes and the complaints, and, and the God, I just want to smack them. And I understand that, you know. And the greatest moral here may not be that God remembered, because he never forgot, but that Noah said thank you to the Lord and worshiped him, uh, there uh, at the end of this. 
Wow. Well, lessons for life. Number one, quickly, remember, God remembered Noah. He remembers us. The question is, will you remember him? I know that many of you know him as Lord and Savior, but live your life daily, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I used to say we ought to be like Gomer Pyle, but then there's a whole generation that doesn't even know what that means anymore. <laughs> but uh, uh, he, he just was an old Marine, a private PFC, who said thank you all the time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I go like, that's sort of the way a Christian ought to be. Will you remember to express your gratitude and thanksgiving to the one who has given you everything you have? Everything. Daily, intentionally, fill your words and thoughts with thanks and praise to him. Ah, oh, may we do that. Number two, during the dark times, and there are dark times, and if it weren't enough, God gives us 12 hours of dark and 12 hours of light, plus or minus every day, right? During the dark times, look for the little reminders sent from the Lord to let you know He's not forgotten you. Look for them. Look for them. These are very personal, sometimes so personal you can't even express it. Sometimes people think you're nuts. But they're like little, little ways of saying, I love you. I'm taking care of you. Precious signs of his great love for you. I look for it. I do. Well, number three, we have something better than Noah, right? We don't have to wait for God's audible voice. We have God's wonderful word, the word of God, our Bible. Read them, drink from them deeply. Meditate on them. Let it fill your soul and they'll carry you home. I dare say all the way home to Jesus. Read the book. Read it. Study it. Chapters. Steal time away. Turn the tube off. That's mindless anyway, right? Open God's Word and study the Scriptures. Memorize it. And then when, when the dark days come, when you're laying your pillow on, just recite the memory, all the verses that you've tucked, and they will, they will cause your soul to soar. You don't have to wait for God's audible voice. But I will say this. When God said to Noah, Noah, did you notice he knew his first name? Someday, the Lord Jesus is going to call you by name. Now, that's, that's a thought, isn't it? Terry, come over here. I'm coming. <laughs> I'm not going to say, uh, 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 but, no, no ands, ifs, or buts. Isn't that something to think of? The Lord of glory is going to call us by name. Come over here. I love you. I want to... I want to talk to you. <laughs> That's a thought. But today we don't wait for it audibly. God's word. Ah, oh, the wonderful word. And finally, the flood was God's judgment for sin. He's holy, and you're not, you're not, I'm not. He's making us. Sometimes the days aren't very good. But he's growing us in grace. Keep your eyes fixed on, on, on the Lord. In love, he has provided the only way of escape by sending Jesus to die as our sin substitute. But there's something you must do. Maybe you're here and you've never asked Jesus to save you from your sin. You can do that in the quietness of where you're sitting right now. Lord Jesus, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I receive you as my Lord and as my God. Thank you for dying for me, my Lord and my God. And he will save you. And I would say don't wait. You have no guarantee of tomorrow. No, no guarantee. Well, Genesis chapter 8, the God who remembers, he remembers everything. You know, we say sometimes, well, that student at school, they have a photographic memory. Remember that? I remember that. Every class has one. 
guy just, or she just looks at the page, and it's not fair, really. They just jump, they take a picture, the exam comes, they know all the details, right? They remember it. God has the ultimate. He never forgets. Isn't that great? He never forgets us. Even in our older and more feeble age, and even as I had a joy to talk to Alice in the hospital the other night, she was worried that she was not even able to pray because she was having struggles with dizziness and that, and she'd go, maybe I'm not saved, maybe I'm not saved. And, and we talked about growing feeble as we grow older, and, and, but the Lord always keeps us. Whether we fall down, hit our head, and don't even know our name the rest of our days, we are His, and He never forgets. He's the God who remembers. Let's stand and be dismissed with a word of prayer, shall we? Father, thank you so much for the day and the hour. Thank you so much for the word of God. It's so encouraging. Open our hearts, encourage us, give us grace to live and serve you today. And this week as we go forth from this place, may, may we be those who are blessers and not those that curse. May we be a part of the solution, the gospel, and not a part of the problem. And may you encourage us and minister to us in our brokenness, our weakness, our feebleness. And may we remember that you're the God who never forgets. We love you so. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week.